The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. There's a brand new website causing a lot of trouble for people with something to hide. Have you ever had a bad feeling about somebody, suspected a partner of cheating, Worried about your online reputation? If you answer yes to any of those questions, you may need Truthfinder. Truthfinder may reveal court records, bankruptcies, contact information, social, dating profiles, assets, and a lot more. You get it all in one easy-to-read report. Why fork out thousands of dollars to a private eye when you can do the job yourself? Go to truthfinder.com nancy and enter any name to get started. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. Did a a beautiful young woman actually murder her lover and feed his remains to guests at a barbecue? As fantastical as that sounds, there is evidence that Kelly Cochran not only murdered her lover, but also her husband. As a matter of fact, this brunette beauty may be responsible for at least a dozen 
deaths. And joining me right now is a special guest, the former Iron River City, Michigan Police Chief, Laura Frizzo, who has investigated and prosecuted this woman, Kelly Cochran. Also with me, Dr. Brian Russell, lawyer and psychologist, host of the hit show on investigation discovery, Fatal Vows, forensics expert, professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University, Joseph Scott Morgan, and with me from DailyMail.com, Sean Waltz. To all of you, thank you for being with us. First to you, Laura Frizzo, former Iron River City, Michigan Police Chief, when did this woman, Kelly Cochran, first make a blip on your radar? Uh, well, actually, it was um, the day that I took the complaint uh, from a friend of my victim, Chris Reagan, um, who said that she believed something was wrong and that he was missing. It was probably within 12 hours of taking that initial complaint. Wow. Wow. You know what, Sean Walsh, DailyMail.com, we've got two stories to cover. Thank goodness we've got uh, former police chief Frizo with us. Sean, we've got the husband we think was killed by her and the lover, or the lover, as you like to say. Let's start with the one that ended up on the barbecue pit, Sean. Oh, well, this is an interesting one. Her friends and family have told investigators this, this stomach-churning tale of how Cochran allegedly served the lover's remains to her neighbors at a barbecue. It, it's kind of disgusting, Nancy, and one of those stories that left Daily Mail readers shocked that this could actually be happening. But I, I don't understand to Laura Frizzo, former chief. Laura, why would we think, and first of all, I got a problem with Sean Walsh, to say that, oh, this is really interesting. You've got a very unique definition of interesting, Sean, but that's a whole nother can of worms. Uh, Chief, if I may call you that, why do you believe that the lover ends up on the barbecue pit? You know, it was an interview that I did with um, Jason and Kelly Cochran's neighbors, um, who really ultimately are the only ones that socialized, um, spent any time with them. Um, and through this, it was a three-hour interview that I did with them in which I let them basically talk to each other to kind of, you know, remember things that had occurred Um shortly after or around the time of Chris Reagan's um, disappearance. So, um, you know, Kelly Cochran had been fired from her job. They didn't have an income. The neighbors recall, you know, having them over for dinner because they felt bad for them. They weren't, they weren't eating. They didn't have any food. They didn't have any money. Um, they recall, you know, this is at the same interview where they recalled, you know, hearing these power tools running during the middle of the night. Um, and then it was, you know, the week after that, you know, the Cochrans are inviting them over for dinner. They had them over three times that week for dinner. They thought that was odd. Where did they get the money? And, you know, then they recalled how there was, you know, just an abundance of meat, that, that it was, you know, you know, nothing really, any side dishes to go with the, with the meat. It was just shish kebabs one night, and it was, you know, tacos one night. It was pizza. It was a lot of meat. That's what they recalled. And this is something that they recalled while talking to each other. This wasn't me questioning or, um, you know, kind of heading them in any direction. This is just, you know, what they um, came to, you know, through their own discussion. That was actually the first time that I became aware of the possibility of dismemberment, um, which, as you know, we found out did occur. Um, so as things went on and, you know, later finding, you know, Chris Reagan's, you know, skull, um, and that being the only part of Chris Reagan that we found, um, 
there's been many unanswered questions for me um, regarding, you know, what actually did take place and, and that, you know, if something like this could have occurred. Uh, former police chief of Iron River City, Michigan, Laura Friso with me. Chief, you've got me, I'm drinking out of fire hydrant here. It's just too much to take in. I'm talking about a barbecue spit where they serve nothing but meat. No sides, no buns, no salad, nothing. And they invite them over three times in one week. They have tacos. They have shish kebabs. Nothing where you could really identify if it's a chicken or a steak. All right. And I find that Sean Walsh, DailyMail.com, very probative. In other words, proving something. It's not like you cook a rotisserie chicken and you can look in the oven and there's a chicken or you grill steaks and you can see the T-bone. It's meat that has been processed in a way you don't know what it is. It's a mystery meat. Like I asked the children, what did you have at school? Mystery meat. Well, why do you say that? Because I don't know what it was. It was just in a taco. I don't know what it was. Here you've got shish kebabs and no veggies, just the meat. Then you've got tacos. I forgot what the chief said was the third night, but it's mystery. It's a mystery meat. That's it. Sounds like when I stop by a food truck at Manhattan at 1 a.m. in the morning. Well, that's why you should not go to a food truck in Manhattan at 1 a.m. First of all, nothing good happens after midnight, Sean. I've told you to go home and be inside before midnight. Everything goes sideways after midnight. You don't need to be out walking around at a food truck. But again, why is it always with you, Sean? It's always another can of worms. All right. There's just you just go off these down these rabbit holes. Back back to, to you, Chief. Can can you tell me that one more time? The neighbors say in one week first they hear power tools all night. Then they're invited over. Now I assume you're saying the husband and Kelly Marie Cochran invite them over because she's accused of helping her husband kill and dismember the boyfriend. Then she's charged with killing the husband to, quote, even the score. So if they, in quotes, are inviting neighbors over, I'm assuming it's her and the husband are inviting neighbors over? Yes, that's correct. Chief, why would they want to kill the boyfriend? Why not just break up with him and be done with it? Well, that was, you know, a puzzle for a long time. I mean, um, in from the very beginning of the investigation, I kind of went from, you know, you know, thinking it's most likely that the husband, you know, um, had an issue with the affair, and he, you know, he snapped. He had some emotional issues, and you know, basically was looking at him like, you know, he's the one. Um, and as time went on, and I was able to um, obtain. Um, an extraction from, you know, Kelly Cochran's phone and read some, you know, text messages and communications. As I, you know, spent time reading those and going through their history, it became very evident to me that um, that wasn't the case, that this was Kelly's idea, that um, this was something that, you know, sadly actually turned her on. Um, And that was evident in a text message that she sent to uh, her husband, just following the death of Chris Reagan. What was the text? You know, I mean, again, talking about the history of the text messages between them prior to Chris Reagan uh, being killed, you know, Kelly and Jason did not have a good relationship. She was not good to him. She was 
uh, mentally abusive to him. She was controlling. He was treated very poorly um, by her. Um, she definitely controlled everything he did. Um, and once Chris Reagan was out of the picture, and, and I want to say the day following, you know, his death, uh, she's texting her husband, you know, um, calling him handsome, telling him that she's on her way home and that she wants him to, bleep, you know, bleep her. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that word on, on this program. Um, so basically very... I usually say have relations. <laughs> ha, yeah, very explicit um, <laughs> sexual messages, um, completely um, the opposite of the kind of relationship she had or the way she spoke to him prior. What police believe went down? Uh, and just Scott Morgan, I want you to weigh in on how the, the difficulty you face in dismembering. It's not like Dexter, okay, Where which I love, by the way, where you see Dexter who... This is a, um, I guess it was HBO or US, I can't remember anymore, long-running series where Dexter worked at a crime lab in Florida and would find out about bad guys that slipped through the cracks and he'd go kill them. He was a serial killer. And he would do it in such a way that there was never any forensic evidence left behind. And it, in the TV show, it would take about 20 seconds for him to dismember somebody and get rid of the body. That's not how it is. So I want you on the reality of that. But police believe that this woman, Kelly Cochran, and her husband, Jason, came up with a plan that the next night she would lure her boyfriend, Christopher Regan, who's also a co-worker, to her home with the promise of sex and that Jason would then kill him. I'm not really sure what the motivation was, but that was the plan. The plan worked. And when Jason, quote, caught Regan with his wife, he shot him dead. Then the dismemberment began. Joe Scott Morgan, forensics expert, how difficult is it really to dismember someone? It's it is it is quite the chore. Uh, Nancy uh, spent a lot of time in the morgue over the years, uh, over seven thousand prosections of bodies during that period of time, and uh, I've had some experience at this sort of thing in the morgue. And it's it's not for the faint of heart, and it's it's not to be done, entered into lightly without the proper tools. Uh, I'd like to say first off, Chief, uh, it's an honor to meet you. I think that you're a very brave person. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm. <laughs> this whole case has got me uh, really uh, thinking a lot here. Uh, harkening back to what Nancy said about dismemberment, I, uh, I'm amazed. You, you said that you guys had recovered the skull. I, I'm interested because one of the things here, you, you know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned the sound of power tools, and obviously that's that is something that's in the forefront of your mind here. When you found his skull, did you guys at any point in time consult like a tool mark, uh, tool mark expert to see how the skull was essentially removed from the body? Were there any marks on there to indicate that there was a tie back to any specific type of tool? Here? Mm, good question. What about it, Chief? That is a good question. Um, you know, it's, you know, when we, when we located the skull, it was, you know, the lower jaw was missing. Uh, there was a, you know, first thing that I looked for was the um, wound to the back of the head. As Kelly had described, that's where he had been shot. 
um, and located that. Um, you know, I had the ME out to take and uh, collect the skull. The skull was sent to, um, you know, out to a forensic anthropologist um, for further examination and identification. Um, and I really, you know, I'm not sure that it was even you know, able to be... Um, well, if the lower jaw was you know, missing, you would not see a tool mark yeah. at the neck. Right. Um, right. For me personally, there was no indication of anything there, but again, there was a lot missing. Yeah, Chief. I was wondering, was there... Uh, you talk about this injury to, to the back of the skull, and I'm assuming um, uh, that there was an indication that this is uh, a firearms injury. Was there any kind of communicating uh, injury on the forward aspect of the skull? Like, a, a, you know, what, did it appear to be a through-and-through through injury? Were you guys able to recover a projectile? Did they bring out metal detectors and this sort of thing to search the area? So, interesting, interestingly enough, um, the ME did look for that possibility of damage, you know, within the skull for, you know, possible, um, you know, exit wound or injury to the inside from that projectile and was not able to determine that. Um, however, there was an area um, of the um, the left side of the cheekbone that was missing. And, and amazingly enough, we recovered that piece. Um, really? You know, probably, I don't know, within two to 300 yards from where the skull sat. And that was the only other piece of human bone we recovered in that entire area. Wow. Yes. And I think I know why. To Sean Walsh with DailyMail.com, isn't it true that it is believed that Kelly Cochran used an electric saw known as a sawzall so husband Jason could cut up the corpse and then they divided his body between garbage bags and threw the bags in the woods around the Iron River in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. I believe that that's the theory cops used on the dismembering of the body, which, as I was trying to describe, is a really hard thing to do. Sean? That's correct, Nancy, and that's what DailyMail.com has been reporting, that the Cochrane said about dismembering Reagan's body. She later admitted to getting a cord for an electric handsaw, as you called it, the sawzall, and so Jason Cochrane could indeed cut up the corpse. Now, the body was believed to have been divided amongst multiple garbage bags and thrown into the woods around Iron, Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula. Reagan was then reported missing a few days later, and his car was found abandoned at a park and ride uh, lot about four miles east of Iron River. Okay, so he's reported several days later. I guess when he doesn't show up where they had both worked. His car then found, as Sean Waltz tells us, at a park and ride about four miles east of the Iron River. Now, according to the local news, the daily news there, police hone in on Kelly Cochran because she's the last one to see the boyfriend. And remember, she's still married at this time. Police search her home with the FBI, and they found nothing, absolutely nothing. To Dr. Brian Russell, lawyer and psychologist, host of the hit series on ID, Fatal Vows. Dr. Brian, can you imagine how difficult it must have been to clean up the scene of a dismemberment of the body? That leads me to think they took him somewhere else to dismember him because they found nothing when they first went to search the home. 
Yeah, absolutely. If 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 what the neighbors heard with the power tools was the dismemberment going on in that house, it's almost, and Joe Scott Morgan, of course, is the forensics expert here, but it's almost inconceivable in my experience that there would not be a trace of that activity on the scene. You know, this, this case is so, it is so morbidly fascinating because it really is like the movie and, and the, the musical Sweeney Todd come to life in which, you know, of course, the, the husband uh, played by Johnny Depp in the movie was the barber, the demon barber of Fleet Street who would kill the clients in the barber chair with the straight razor. And then the wife who uh, had the, the bake uh, bakery downstairs would bake uh, the remains into uh, mincemeat pies and, and serve them to... Uh, serve them to customers and, but, and there's this idea of, of not only do you have a murderer or murderers but you also have the additionally almost almost unfathomably grisly pleasure that they take and then getting unsuspecting uh, third parties to participate in their cannibalism uh, unknowingly and so you know if I didn't know from being on investigation discovery for six years that the network is about real stories about real people you know, you, you would really just think that this is some kind of adaptation of Sweeney Todd wow just bring up the specter of Sweeney Todd I hear you I hear you so Dr. Dr. Brian Russell Joe Scott Morgan Sean Walsh to former chief Laura Frizzo there in Iron River City where do you think they dismembered the body of the boyfriend? I think that they did it right there in the house, in the basement, like um, we suspected. Um, you know, as you know, it's hard to um, collect samples in, you know, in concrete or areas of high iron. Um, and one thing that we did notice later um, on, you know, subsequent searches in that house um, was that, you know, the Cochran's had these huge rolls of plastic, you know, that you would generally use if you were going to, um, you know, winterize your windows or whatever. And so we had these huge rolls of plastic. And one thing we noted in the basement later was, you know, why is there some of this plastic kind of hanging up in the rafters and, and stapled up onto the rafters, um, the wooden beams on the ceiling, of the basement and I kind of looked at that area and and realized that it's very very probable that you know they had um, kind of like a little tent area there um, where they actually you know wow it is just like Dexter that is exactly like the way Dexter would dismember bodies well one thing to note is that that Kelly Cochran has you know she went to college for forensics um, and she has uh, a degree in uh, psychology. So um, this is someone, you know, who actually knew not only how to act in her interviews or um, not to act, um, but she also was very familiar with uh, the forensic angle of things. Okay, so even though at the beginning police found nothing to suggest a murder had occurred in the home, Cochran gets antsy and she and her husband pack up and move to Indiana. Police go on with their investigation and they believe that she is a person of interest, but a year passes and still they got nothing. Then 
take a listen to this 911 call Kelly Cochran makes the day of her husband's death. My husband's, his face is like, well, he's breathing barely. I don't know what's wrong. He's throwing off, he's sweating. I need an ambulance right away. Okay, are you in a hotel? Is that a hotel? No, I'm, I'm in a home. Okay, and how old is the person? 37, just get me ambulance here, right now. Okay, stay on the line with me. Okay. You said he's breathing, difficulty breathing? Okay, I can't understand what you're saying. Difficulty breathing, sweating? No, no, he's still breathing. I'm on the phone with him right now. What's him? What exactly? I, okay, I need an ambulance here right away. Okay, they've okay, been dispatched. I, I got to they have been dispatched, but I need you to stay on the line. She goes on to write, and I think I need to shrink on this, Dr. Brian. She goes on to write. She holds a memorial service, writing on Facebook that his, her husband's death was, quote, the hardest thing I will ever have to deal with. I, Dr. Brian, we know in retrospect she killed her husband. And she is writing on Facebook, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. Help me out, Brian. Well, you know, some of the most depraved killers that we see uh, are actually quite good at manipulating other people. So it's one of the hallmarks of the sociopath is that they actually understand pretty well what makes other people tick. And this is actually... Uh, this is actually uh, the kind of intelligence that we're really talking about when we talk about the sociopath. Many people say, oh, you know, sociopaths and psychopaths, they're actually, they're very intelligent. And and really, that's not necessarily true uh, in terms of intelligence like we would measure with an IQ test, like being able to do math problems and put puzzles together. Uh, some of them are intelligent like that, and they're extremely dangerous because they can actually think of ways to, uh, to to really minimize evidence and and reduce the chance of getting caught and do lots of damage before they get caught. But but how they're really intelligent is is emotionally intelligent. They they're able to figure out how do I manipulate other people into becoming my victims, and then after the fact, how do I manipulate other people into thinking that I am a victim myself or that I had nothing to do with this? You know, you might wonder what was the motive the first time around when the boyfriend, the lover, was killed, and now the husband. Well, maybe the two are linked. Regarding motive, take a listen to what Hobart, Indiana, police detective Jeremy Ogden says. Now, remember, the husband and the wife, Kelly, moved to Indiana after the lover is murdered. Here's what Indiana police say. Her and her husband uh, had entered into this agreement on their wedding night that if uh, one had an affair on the other, that it was their responsibility to kill the person that they had the affair with and that if they didn't take care of their responsibility, then the other one could kill them. She's a very calculating, manipulative killer. I wouldn't necessarily put that number on it. I would say that, uh, you know, I'm pretty positive that there are others. To Sean Walsh with me, DailyMail.com. Sean, okay, so the lover's murdered. She and the husband moved to Indiana. The husband suddenly dies of an overdose, and she is playing the grieving widow. So how is she connected to his overdose? How do police know that was not an accident? Well, it's interesting. So 
You say that she moved to Indiana. You make it sound really lovely, Nancy. But in fact, she was spooked. And her and her husband packed everything up as quickly as they could, and they moved to Lake County, Indiana. But police continued their investigation with Kelly listed as a person of interest. And even though a year had passed, they still had nothing. Then in February of 2016, Jason died of an apparent heroin overdose. Kelly held the memorial service, as you said, and she talked about how hard it was to deal with, but police still weren't buying it. Michigan authorities then charged Kelly with, Jason, with Reagan's death. Um, the U.S. Marshal Service tracked her down in Kentucky, where she was arrested uh, that April and taken in, into custody. But how did they do it, uh, Chief Rizzo? How did they determine that the husband died of a murder, not an accidental OD. So I had been communicating with uh, Hobart PD um, from the time that Kelly and Jason fled Michigan after I did that initial search warrant and um, just keeping an eye on them and, you know, kind of monitoring what they're doing and and how they're living, um, you know, because there were other things that we needed to take care of with them and we wanted to be able to locate them. So Hobart really um, kept an eye on things and uh, worked with us quite closely. And so when Jason Cochran died and we got word of that, there was actually a a tip called in to the FBI tip line as well as Hobart PD uh, from a friend of Jason Cochran's who who said, you know, my friend is, is dead. I just got news. And, you know, his message was, I feel like something's not right. I feel like the life might have been involved. And of course, getting that that call in the tip line was huge because um, investigators weren't called to the scene of Jason's death. And and had that not happened, it could have been, you know, the um, medical examiner may have not done as thorough um, a a search for the indication of a a homicide versus overdose. And so because of those things, um, Detective Ogden jumped in. He attended the autopsy. Um, They did, you know, a very thorough uh, examination. Um, and then from that point, Detective Ogden just jumped right in and, and investigated. This is what we learn. Police in Indiana get suspicious that her version of what happened tonight, her husband died, it kept changing. And as Chief Rizzo told you, investigators were not called to the scene of the overdose because they thought it was an accidental overdose. They got there, uh, EMTs found Jason unresponsive, they could not revive him, and it looked like he died of an overdose. But when he goes for autopsy, the Indiana Lake County coroner discover the husband, Jason, did not die of an overdose. He died from asphyxiation, not heroin. That is how they knew it was not an accidental overdose. It was a strangulation or a smothering. Now, the Post-Tribune reports that it's believed she, Kelly, delivered an overdose of heroin to her husband and then put her hands on his neck, nose, and mouth until he died about one minute later. That is how we know it was not an OD. It was asphyxiation. 
to Joseph Scott Morgan a limited question. How can you tell someone has been smothered or strangled dead? In the event that someone has been smothered or strangled, you're going to look uh, in the eyes for particular hemorrhages. And also on the surface of the neck, if they did an autopsy, there might be hemorrhage into the small muscles in the neck as well in this particular case. Take a listen to Hobart, Indiana, police detective Jeremy Ogden. She put it back on her husband as uh, calling him, you know, a monster, maybe possibly two different people inside of one person. And uh, and I think the judge called it right after her statement was over with. The judge said, uh, you know, he feels the same as probably most of the people in the room that that she's the monster. To Dr. Brian Russell, lawyer and psychologist on Discovery's Fatal Vow series, how do you get to this point in a marriage where the two of you are cheating or one of you is cheating and you have a, quote, pact to kill the other, everybody you, you sleep with, that the two of you will then kill them? It's crazy, Dr. Brian, but these people were not crazy. Yeah, you know, we've talked on this show so many times about, uh, and certainly that's what Fatal Vows is all about, right? Marriages that uh, ha that have ended in some kind of a, a murder of somebody involved. And we've talked about in those contexts, uh, the fact that when you have a cheating situation in a marriage, everybody involved is in danger. The, the cheating spouse is in danger, the cheated on spouse is in danger, the person with whom the cheating spouse is cheating is in danger. And, and it's, it is, uh, you know, a, a morbidly fascinating illustration of, of the fatal vows situation here, because what we appear to have initially is a cheating situation in which the justification then for killing the, the affair partner is that, you know, we're going to make this right somehow. We're going to uh, give the, the husband the satisfaction of uh, seeing the uh, affair partner uh, killed and dismembered, maybe even consumed. Okay. And then once that's done, then the husband becomes the target. And so, you know, what we have here is this love triangle, and and only one of the three uh, endpoints is still around, and that is this woman who apparently you know, she she comes up with whatever reason she needs to to wait, 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 wait. Laura Frizzo with us, former Iron River City, Michigan police chief. You actually had a chance to sit down and speak with Kelly Cochran. What did she say to you? Um, I actually, I sat down with her uh, while she was in her jail cell the very first night she was brought to Michigan from uh, Kentucky. Um, and she told me a little bit about her life. Uh, she kind of opened up. It was a different side of her. I'm not sure why she was presenting that. Um, but through that discussion, she told me many things about herself and how, you know, she was born the way she is. Nothing happened in her life to cause her to be that way. She's doesn't have feelings. She doesn't feel sadness or remorse. Um, and, you know, and actually the following day, we continued our discussion. Um, and I asked her, you know, how do you choose your victims? And her answer to me was opportunity. Opportunity. Wow. Listen to this. At the Caspian pit behind her house, 
Kelly shows police where she and Jason tossed part of the murder weapon. That big stone directly in front of me, right before that reed grass or whatever that is. So, out in that area? Right, a little to the right and back towards us a little. It's not far because I figured I'd never tell anybody. When the Michigan State Police dive master called me and let me know that they found the gun, I was extremely excited, obviously. For me, it was validation. At Kelly's old house, where she claims her late husband Jason shot Chris, Kelly points out a crucial piece of physical evidence, overlooked when investigators conducted multiple searches. Something about four steps? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. There you go. You're saying you use those? Yep. Kelly says Jason made her use four steps to try and pull the bullet out of Chris Reagan's skull. Did you know about a recent law that could leave your personal data exposed online for anybody to find? If you've turned on the news lately, you know the Internet has created a dangerous new world. Data breaches expose private information. There's a new cybersecurity threat every other day. And criminals can sell the identity of you and your family on the dark web. It's time you take the power back by using a new website called Truthfinder. Truthfinder allows you to find out exactly what information exists about you online. Have you gotten a speeding ticket, received a lien from the IRS, forgotten about an embarrassing social media profile? Truthfinder searches through millions of public records, puts all that data together in one easy-to-read report. Members get unlimited searches, so you can also look up those close to you and make sure they're not hiding something from their past. You also get free dark web monitoring to make Truthfinder the ultimate tool in identity protection. If your personal info appears for sale on the dark web, you'll be the first to know. Visit truthfinder.com slash nancy. Enter your own name. Get started. To Sean Walsh from dailymail.com, who's been on the story from the beginning, we're talking about a young woman who injects her husband with a lethal dose of heroin, then smothers him with a pillow, who may have killed others and even served her lover's remains. At a barbecue. Sean, why do you believe she is now linked to about nine other murders at, at, at the minimum? I mean, it's frightening, Nancy. It's beyond frightening that this is the case because, as you said, and as someone else just pointed out, it would make her a, ser a serial killer. But she she's making these claims. So... We just have to see if this is the case. I mean, you've got brilliant investigators on the case here and how great it is to have them on the call today. But, I mean, this will lead us to the determination if this is the case. I mean, I, it, it takes my breath away, to be honest. You know, Sean, uh, another fatality in this case was what happened to Chief Laura Frizzo. Because uh, according to the city manager, she was, quote, bullheaded in her investigation style and ended up choosing between her job as police chief and catching a killer. Listen to this. My name is Laura Frizzo. I used to be the police chief here in Iron River. 
But I had to make a choice. I could either remain the chief or I could catch a killer. Police in Iron River are asking for help. If you know anything about his whereabouts, you're asked to contact the police department. He's gone. I had no doubt in my mind something terrible's happened. It's not a missing person case. This is a murder. You're telling me that's blood, right? We got a positive reaction. Kelly, why? She was the mastermind behind it all. She doesn't have feeling. She doesn't feel sadness. She doesn't feel remorse. I wasn't going to give up. Be nice. You know that's not in my DNA. Sean Walsh, DailyMail.com. Did you hear that? Nancy, if something was to happen to a member of my family, and, and, and God, I pray to God that it never does, I would want Chief Frizzo on the case. Chief Frizzo is one of those dedicated police chiefs that you want in your corner. And I think what happened to her was a travesty. And I think that any police department in this country or around the world would be lucky to have someone like Chief Frizzo running their department. With me is Chief Frizzo, along with Joe Scott Morgan and Dr. Brian Russell. Laura Frizzo, it, it hurts me that... You know, not just you, but very often when women stick to their guns, they're, quote, bullheaded or a bitch. You ended up being relieved of your duties just as, just as Kelly Cochran admits to having other, quote, friends buried in Indiana, Michigan, Tennessee, and Minnesota. Looks like you weren't bullheaded. You were right, Chief Rizzo. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot to that other part of life for me um, that it's obviously been killing me because I am very, I tend to be very outspoken, honest, forthcoming. But um, unfortunately, I, you know, I'm going to have to discuss that at a later date. And there's a lot to be said about it. It's, um, it's, it's killing me that I can't discuss it. And but it is actually, in, it's in litigation. I understand. I understand. And, and that's a whole nother tangent, a whole nother side avenue uh, uh, to this case. What happens, what we're talking about now is, are there other victims of Kelly Cochran? And Laura Frizzo, you are on the case and closer to the case than anyone. Explain to me why you believe there are so many other victims, maybe past a dozen well, again, I mean, I honestly, you know, two to three months into the initial investigation of Chris Reagan's disappearance and going through, you know, documents, phone records, um, and and other things, um, it was very apparent that um, these people were, were good at what they did. Um, this couldn't have been a first time for them. And I... I adamantly believe that there could have been something shortly before they left Indiana to come to Michigan um, that caused them to move the way they did. But I believe that um, for as well as they were able to compose themselves, answer questions, clean up, um, this is not, there's no way this is the first time for these people. So learning later on, you know, a year later, that there's potentially other victims coming from her own mouth, um, there's no doubt in my mind that there are other other victims. Guys, there's a two-part documentary airing on Investigation Discovery. 
And it tells Kelly Cochran's story through the eyes of the Iron River Michigan Police Chief, then Laura Frizzo, who was pulled into the case after the lover, Chris Regan, goes missing. I mean, question, Laura Frizzo, what do Regan's family have to say about all this? Well, that's why the opportunity was so good for for Kelly Cochran because, you know, Chris Regan was new to the area in Upper Michigan. Um, He really, he had no family there. He uh, had only been there um, approximately nine and a half, ten months. Um, And so he really didn't have, and he was a very private man, so he really didn't have friends. He didn't socialize. Um, So um, his, his two boys were young um, at the time. I mean, they're still young, but they were, you know, early 20s, um, and they, um, the, you know, their parents, uh, their father and mother were divorced, you know, a few years before. So um, for them, um, they were just kind of in a state of shock. They didn't know really how to react. And the first time I met them and saw that look, and I just, I felt so sorry for them thinking, you know, they have no idea how to handle this. They have no idea what direction to go in. Um, and they're very private. They're, um, you know, every time I would learn a new detail, um, they are the first ones I would contact. Um, I wanted them to be prepared for what was going to be said or what, you know, and, and how to avoid it if they didn't want to hear it, you know. But I, I tried to keep them prepared every step of the way. Isn't it true, Laura, that Cochran's own brother says he believes his sister is a serial killer? I mean, when your own brother says that, that that's yes. bad. Um, you know, the first time I met with um, her brother, um, I asked him, the first thing I asked him was, you know, how long have you known that your sister is this way? And he said, you mean a sociopath? Um, that was his response. So they had, they had a good relationship. They did. I mean, he's considerably younger than her. Um, so a lot of his memories are, you know, from when he was a young, a young boy. Um, but, you know, he, for whatever reason, knew that, you know, she had the potential to be exactly what she is. It's something that he sensed from a young age. Wow. So she was that way her whole life? From what his, you know, from what his um, account of things are, yes. Even, even listening to Kelly, you know, have discussions with her mom, you know, on the phone, um, I mean, her family knew that there was something with her forever. Um, I just don't think they realized, of course, who would, um, what her potential was. It's a showdown between good and evil. Serial killer Kelly Cochran versus the then Iron City Police Chief, Laura Frizzo. And it will all play out in a documentary on investigation discovery and the search for her other victims goes on. Take a listen to what Hobart, Indiana Police Detective Jeremy Ogden says. I have two cases that I've asked her about. Um, I have nothing else that I can provide on those situations, but you never know one day. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Did you know a recent law can leave your personal data exposed online for anybody to find? If you've turned on the news lately, you know the Internet has created a dangerous new world. 
It's time you take back the power by using a new website called TruthFinder. Have you been issued a speeding ticket? Received a lien from the IRS? Did you forget about an embarrassing social media profile? That info may already be online. TruthFinder can help you find it. TruthFinder searches millions of public records, assembling the data together in one report. Members get unlimited searches, so you can also look up those close to you and make sure they're not hiding something. Visit truthfinder.com nancy. Enter your own name. Get started. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. <laughs> 